Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, welcome to the board meeting, Sun City Grand. I like to call the meeting to order. We've established <laughs> we have six of our seven members uh, on, so we have an quorum. Please leave your Zoom on mute until you're called upon to speak. And residents may comment once per agenda topic for a maximum of three meetings. The executive session was held June 19th, <clears throat> 2020. Just a slight upgrade, <clears throat> excuse me, an update on a couple of things. First of all, to talk about the virus and the things that are happening there. We're in sort of a pausing attitude. We're following all the state laws and the local laws within Maricopa County and the city of Surprise. The governor has said that the, uh, his edict will work last until July the 27th. But for those of you that are on top of the news, he's going to speak to the public in uh, three, uh, three o'clock this afternoon. So we'll see what comes there. The trend is still in an upward position in, in all of the, of the items that we follow. We would like to update one thing that happened on the news of the day is we have uh, four employees who have been identified with the virus and it's three from, uh, two from golf, one from, uh, three from golf, one of which was a uh, carpooler with the other one. And we've had one housekeeping person that has uh, contacted the virus. There are rumors of others and there are others uh, members that we know of, but it's a very, very small number. Uh, we don't have a reporting system, nor do we try to get it, but we keep you informed of what we know. We want to make sure that everybody is uh, doing the thing they can do best, which is wearing their masks. We're, uh, Mr. Twiggs is uh, following the opening of the second uh, swimming pool up in Adobe real quickly, and he's going to probably do some uh, minor adjustments there to get more people in the pool for longer. So we're happy to provide that. And until that time, we'll keep you appraised of anything that we are doing. So with that, I'd like to move on to the general manager's report. Mr. Triggs. Absolutely. I'd just like to follow up on what you said a moment ago. Um, we are looking at how to expand our pool hours. Uh, we're looking at our reservations and how, uh, how many reservations we have at any one time. So we may be treating it a little bit different at times. Um, you know, some of our folks want more than one hour, and we may be able to accommodate that uh, as opposed to just another uh, another session uh, before or end of the day. We're looking at all that, and we'll make an announcement on that very, very soon. Um, again, the uh, we, we have the Adobe outdoor pools open now. We've got the indoor pool over at Adobe, and we, of course, we've had Cimarron open. We're uh, we're continuing the work on the um, on the spa at Adobe. Uh, we've we've ran into some delays. It's basically supply supply line delays on getting stuff shipped. Uh, uh, right now, the the supply chain for everybody with all the with all the COVID activities is, is very iffy. So, uh, but we hope to have that finished up in the next two two and a half weeks. You know, we're looking at that um, in general. Um, while we're taking a lot of safety precautions with all of our offices and all of our things, we just want to remind everybody that we, we're still working, uh, we can still help them on the phone. Everybody doesn't have to come in unless it's something specific that they need to, they need to come in for. We're happy to help them over the telephone, set up any kind of Zoom meeting or anything that, that, they, might, that they might need. Um, again, we don't want people to feel uh, feel they have to come into the office to take care or get a question answered, that type of thing. So again, people, we want people, our people to stay safe, 
both our employees. We want, also want our, uh, our residents to stay safe. So the, the less you can go out and do for these type of things, um, administrative type of things, the better on that. I'm not gonna go through my administrative report, uh, but I do wanna make a correction. Um, in, in these, we had uh, a cut and paste error uh, where something wasn't le wasn't changed from uh, from a prior prior year, we actually had, uh, and I'm talking about the uh, the architectural review and standards uh, community standards activities on there. Uh, we had 259 applications in uh, uh, in the month of June 1st through June 30th, which was a, a pretty outstanding amount of uh, of work. So I really want to commend that department for uh, uh, for handling that load. Of course, there was some pent up demand uh, because of uh, the offices being closed there at the time, but they really did handle a, a tremendous amount of those. The, uh, the Where the mistake is in is in uh, the last year's totals. It shows in the report that last year there was 191 applications during that time period. There was actually only 136 applications during that time period. So our increase was was closer to 90% uh, for that, but uh, but we will be uh, as we get some of that pent up demand taken care of, it will uh, that that will ease off a, a bit. But we're also uh, they're handling it and uh, handling it very well. We're doing it without without lines of people and without uh, without causing people undue uh, undue um, delays in getting their work done. So I just wanted to say thanks on that. Anything else in there, I'd be happy to answer if anybody has specific questions. Of course, this, as always, will be posted on the website. Thank you. Any questions from the audience? Okay, we'll move on. So I'd like to say a motion is, is I move to accept the consent agenda items as submitted. Is there a second? Second. Is there anybody that wants to pull anything from the consent agenda? If not, all those in favor, single favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Consent agenda passes. We'll move on to our first. Jody <laughs> Brown, can you turn your mic? Oh, there we go. Turn it off. Okay. I got it. Thanks. And Jody, would you show me as a being attending? Gene Nigoff. I, I caught it when you signed on. Thank you. You're welcome. And, and I'd like to uh, welcome the two new neighborhood reps. Uh, Happy to have you aboard. Okay, first motion is Alan Meyer. Alan? I move to accept the proposal of Clifton Larson Allen, CLA, to provide auditing and tax services for each of the three years ending December 31st, 2020, 21, and 22, with fees in the amount of 34000 per year. Is there a second? Earl seconds it. Second. Okay. Uh, Alan, go ahead. Uh, we received uh, we received three proposals. Uh, uh, one was from Mansberger, which was the uh, the incumbent uh, auditor. Uh, that firm has been our auditors for uh, twelve years, uh, and. Uh, uh, we have discussed whether or not there was it was appropriate for uh, uh, rotation uh, of auditors after that 
period of time. Uh, Porter and Lisuski uh, is a, a well-qualified firm. Uh, they are in uh, Simi Valley, California. Uh, a couple of a couple of uh, negative observations with respect to their proposal. Uh, they do from time to time engage subcontractors as opposed to doing the work with their own staff. Uh, in addition to that, they attached their most recent peer review report. Uh, CPA firms who do audit work have to have their practice, the quality control practice peer reviewed every three years. Uh, the Porter firm's most recent peer review, which was in November of 2019, had a couple of fairly significant deficiencies noted. Uh, and while that, that didn't qualify them, I think that it, it took them away from being in the first place. Clifton Larson, Allison, Clifton Larson Allen is something like the eighth largest CPA firm in the country uh, with something like 5,000 employees. Uh, they do have an office here in, in Phoenix. Uh, their proposal was uh, uh, on a fee basis was the highest of, uh, uh, of the, the three proposals, but not, not, not so high to be, to be bothersome. And uh, I recommend that we engage Clifton Larson Allen for the next three-year term. Uh, I would like just to state to the board uh, a fact and also for the audience. Uh, Alan, uh, you have conducted several audits of your, of your own back in your uh, New Jersey, correct? <clears throat> yes, just for clarification, I'm a CPA licensed in New Jersey, not in Arizona. <clears throat> and yes, uh, uh, among the clients that I dealt with were uh, homeowner associations. And if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, you said you've dealt with over a dozen of those, is that correct? It is. And you've also had a lot of experience with this office out of Orlando, is that correct? Well, I have had experience with uh, the Clifton Larson Allen uh, office in Orlando on matters unrelated to homeowner associations. But my, uh, my observation of the, the firm's practice in Orlando is that it's a, it's a quality practice. And just for clarification, for the participants, you did serve on the audit subcommittee of the FAC, correct? I did, yes. So you're quite qualified. Is there any questions in the audience? <laughs> okay, seeing none, we'll take a vote. All those in favor of the motion, signify by say aye. 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 Anyone, anyone opposed? Me. Whom? Stephanie. Stephanie opposes, so um, chair approves us, uh, so six to one. It passes. Okay, Barbara, would you handle the second motion? Yes, certainly, thank you. I had to get on unmute. Uh, I move to accept the recommendations from the Long Range Planning Committee to the Board of Directors of the 2020 Strategic Plan Pro Project Progress Report as submitted. Second. Second. We have a move and a second. Uh, okay, Barbara, would you like to comment on this, please? Or do you want us to call, 
call Roger up? Uh, we could, yeah, let's bring Roger in, but I'll just sort of uh, give an overview. Um, it was a really, really a busy year, and this year for this report covers July 1 of 2019 uh, through May 31st of 2020. As we know, probably the last four months, uh, things have been somewhat uh, up in the air, suspended, paused, et cetera, due to the virus. But prior to that, uh, there was a lot of things in the work and, and many things have airlifted. So it's been a very productive year as far as projects going to the next step. Um, again, we know that things right now are kind of in a holding uh, motion, but we, as soon as we can, we are ready to move ahead with many things. Certainly the food and beverage operator selection, which is being negotiated uh, as we speak, will be key to moving things along, uh, contracts that hopefully we will develop with, um, uh, I always get them mixed up, let me say, Low Mountain for Granite Falls and J2 for Village Center, as well as other projects will continue to move as soon as uh, we are able to. Um, the one thing, if you do take a look at the report, uh, I urge you to look at, at the back where we, up until now, we have always had um, uh, in motion, being watched, being monitored, et cetera. We've added a new category called referred to other committees and entities. This was a decision by the Long Range Planning Committee that we passed on to the board uh, to ratify that uh, we need to start assigning a little bit more accountability. And that's not to say people are not accountable, but to codify that accountability timelines uh, deliverables, et cetera, in a document. So now we have a new section called referred to, which takes some of those items on the current plan and refers them off to, for instance, GAC to manage certain pieces or CAM uh, and uh, Mr. Twiggs to manage certain pieces. So that's something new in there. Um, I would give it over to Roger. I see he's on to highlight anything he thinks uh, is really important in this report. Roger. For those of you who don't know, Roger Berry, he's chairman of the Long Range Project Committee. Go ahead. Okay, am I on? Yes, you are. Okay, well, Barb just gave a great overview. She was part of this committee, this subcommittee of the Long Range Planning Committee this year, and she and Diane Hammond did a lot of work on this to submit this report that, you're, uh, that you now have in front of you. I guess I would just like to go back a little bit and uh, make a few comments about strategic planning at Sun City Grand and, uh, from a general standpoint. This plan was introduced in 2016. Um, the goal was to develop a roadmap for the future. And we know that with a good strategic plan, it will enhance our community for both the current and future residents. The Long Range Planning Committee keeps this plan close at hand so we don't lose track of the vision. But at the same time, we know the world is constantly changing. So we have to continue to do the research and help prioritize as necessary in order to keep this Sun City Grand business on a steady course. So we are always updating our recommendations. We're also trying to provide information to the board and working with CAM to make sure that we try to keep the projects active and in front of us. I think what Barb said about the action items that are at the end of this report, that's appendix A through F. If you read through that, just those few short pages, it will give you a tremendous overview as to exactly where the items that were in the 2016 strategic plan uh, stand as of this moment. And um, we don't ever lose track of it, but at the same time, I think it, it's a, uh, on an annual basis, we try to do a, a very critical review of those items that, uh, that should be on a priority list for the future. So um, unless there's questions, I just wanna thank the strategic planning subcommittee who composed this report, Barb and Diane especially,
but also the other LRP subcommittees that have worked this past year on food and beverage, technology, and marketing. And also let you know that we have LRP committees involved with the website, the, the new video, the Granite Falls restaurant, the Desert Springs Entertainment Facility, the Village Center, the Cimarron Project. Um, we've become a forward-looking community through strategic planning and long-range planning. So we're, we know we're in excellent financial shape. We know that we've had a lot of problems due to this virus, but I'm just absolutely confident that, confident that with this committee and the talent that we have on board and as, as hard as they work, that we'll try to stay on top of this as we go forward and, uh, and try to advise the board on the best investments possible for the future of our beautiful committee. So with that, Don, any questions, I'll be glad to try to answer them. Board have any questions? Thank you, Roger. Earl, you're, uh, you're the liaison to LRP. Do you have any uh, comments? Um, not, uh, nothing other than I was on this four years ago, just from the tech end when we first put it together. And some people have said that this is difficult to read now and it is a little hard to read and we're going to fix that. It's just sort of all as this uh, became a living document. So while it was really easy to read four years ago, over time we've just sort of added and tracked it and changed and put lines to the things. And it, it's a little hard to read. The content is wonderful. And we're going to come up with a new format, so it will be easier to read. And that's pretty much all I have to say about this. Okay, just for just so you know, your video is freezing up. Um, anybody else have any questions, comments? Uh, great job of the team. Great job, Barb and Diane, particularly all those in favor of accepting the long-range financial strategic plan update. Signify by saying aye. 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 Anyone opposed? Okay, it passes unanimously. Eugene, you have the next motion. Thank you. I move to approve the recommendation of the Golf Advisory Committee that the Board of Directors approve staff proposals to issue requests for, for proposals for the proposed projects scope for the 2021 improvements to Granite Falls South. Is there a second? Second. Okay, it's been moved and seconded. Uh, Eugene, is it okay if we refer it over to Jeff? That's what I was gonna say. I wanted to do it. And the primary reason for this is we're coming up to the September deadline and we need no hard numbers to see what's going on. And Jeff, it's yours. Thank you, Mr. Agoff. Uh, so what we have currently put together is a um, RFP to redo the greens on Granite Falls South, uh, to redo the greenside bunkers on Granite Falls South, and um, to add the forward tees on South, and to look at irrigation, raising the heads and putting in new heads on the uh, rough areas of Granite Falls South. Um, we're bidding all these components with the exception of the green and the bunkers as separate projects. So we can look at what the cost is per individual project and then gonna be asking the vendors to put a, um, a price together of what, it would, what the discount would be if we combined all these projects uh, together. Uh, we're looking at starting this project mid to late May of next year and expect, expected to be closed most of the summer. Now, one thing I understand is on there is a lake hard edging also, right? That was, uh, that was uh, 
delayed from this year? We, th that is not part of this bid. That is on the Desert Springs golf course. Um, we can go and um, talk to the contractor to update his uh, bid and pricing to see if it's still valid or if there's a price change on that. We can do that. Okay, would, would you cover them so that to explain for the board, please, is one of the things that is in the fund that you're going to be asking to, you mentioned the uh, sprinklers on the, the uh, rough, and that's estimated to be $350,000 to $390,000, which would be out of reserves, correct? Correct. We have uh, just over 1,200 heads in the rough that yeah. we need to uh, sure. complete. Well, let me get... Let me just make you a couple of corrections just so people know what's going on. Those are, were put in the ground, if my memory serves me correctly, in 97, correct? Correct. However, they were only put in the reserve fund in uh, about 2010 or so, nine, something like that. The thing I'm getting at, if you go to reserve fund, they show that they've got uh, 10 years left. But if that were the case, that means that they would be in 20 years plus 10 is 30. That'd be 33 years, which is well on what was uh, uh, what's recommended for the sprinkler. So I just, if somebody's looking up the reserves and see that, I just want to explain to them that even though it says you got 10 years left, that's actually a mistake. Correct? Yeah, it, it um, went back and forth when this item was being looked at in the reserves of if, if it should be put in the reserves and when, and it was decided to put it in the reserves, um, and it should should be coincide with the fairway sprinklers at the same time. And the, and the fairway sprinklers have been replaced, correct? Correct. Uh, on Granite Fall, on three of the courses, the fairways have been done. Well, let's talk about South for, that's what we're talking about. This is for South, right? Correct. So the, the regular sprinklers have been replaced on South? Yes. Now, in addition to this, uh, it's your assumption these sprinklers would not last effectively for the next 10 years, but more importantly, when replacing the sprinklers, they will be more compliant with what we're trying to do in the way they operate in reducing uh, water needed for the course. They're more efficiently, correct? Correct. More efficient distribution, uh, save water. Yes. And is, correct me, I'm wrong, I'm sorry I don't know this, but this, is South one of the ones that has the upgraded uh, satellite systems that can turn the, the sprinklers on, on and off uh, remotely? One yes. Yes. Yeah. So if I'm not mistaken, let me just give a general overview here, is we would do this project and you're going to bid them separately so we'll know which one of them costs. They'll also get the forward tees, but if we do what you're asking for here, we would completely redo everything that's needed to be done on South for this go around. Is that correct? The, the only thing that this is pretty much leaving out is the fairway bunkers. No, uh, you've got the fairway bunker down here, which is estimated between 48,000 and 150,000, correct? Uh, correct, and that uh, and I left that out. That would be part of that, that a separate bid on that as well, yes. Okay, I'm bringing this up for a specific reason is that we're looking at overdoing the four courses of the next uh, seven to 10 years, depending on which plan we adapt. So I would like for the membership to know that it's most efficient and you confirm this or not, Jeff, you and I have talked about it, so I'm assuming you confirm it. I would not put something in front of you. I know you're gonna say no to it. But you know, it would be nice while we're there and have all the equipment on board, et cetera, and while the course is shut down to do all the work on South that needs to be done, and then we move on to the next course, do the same thing. Are you concordance with that? Yes. And a lot of these projects tie together also. If we remove 
the uh, greens, if we take out the turf on the greens, we need a place to put it or, or pay to have it hauled off. So doing, in theory, doing the tea project and digging holes and grabbing dirt to put on the teas, we can bury the spoils from the grains. So hopefully we'll see a reduced pricing by doing all these together. And, uh, you know, I'm familiar with the fact that we got the dirt we were going to use is when we took around the turf that had to be taken off. And when we realized we didn't have that, if we didn't have what you're talking about, it would have cost us more money to bring dirt in to make those teas, correct? Yes. So would I be reasonably assured to say that, that with this proposal you've got, almost all of it comes out of reserves? Um, are you going to put liners in the bunkers? So the, 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 what the, the proposals, the RFP going out would be for the greenside bunkers to get liners and approximately six of them to get drainage in them. So they will have liners and new sand. Okay, so uh, going one step further, just to make sure the residents and everyone knows, is this plan is with met uh, in a meeting with David Reber, and Dave has uh, reviewed all of the uh, the articles having to do with this procedure, and has briefed uh, myself, Mr. Twiggs, and Alan Meyer in a uh, our meeting we have each week. So uh, we think we've got everything captured here. Is there anything else you need, Jeff, to make this uh, proposal uh, that you want to make? No, um, I will get this uh, going out in the next couple of days by the end of next week and uh, we're, we'll get it to the contractors and see what the prices come in at and bring it back. And so we would, even though the work would be done in 2021, we'll have the prices by the budget time, you think? Yeah, I think that for the scope of work on this type of project, uh, we'll give them a four to six week um, turnaround time. Okay, are there any other questions that the board needs to know about going forward uh, that you'd like to ask us or inform us about? No, no. Okay, and where do I apply to get my handicap lowered? Yeah. <laughs> Golf lessons. Thank you, Jeff. Very well done. And by the way, uh, Jane, I'm sure you're out there. Thank you, Jane, for all your work on this. Of course, into your committee. Are there any other questions from the board? So what we're voting for is to look at a well laid out plan to get the um, go out for bids. So all those in favor, it's been seconded of doing this, uh, signify by saying aye. 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 That's none. I can't hear anyone. So let's take a voice vote. Uh, Alan Meyer, are you approved? Yes. I'm not hearing, are everybody else hearing Alan? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Now I got it. Okay, all, all those approved signify by saying aye. 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 Okay, opposed, it's approved. My mistake, I'm sorry, I hit the wrong button. Okay, the next one. You, Mr. Love. It is. Moved to approve the replacement of the existing iron perimeter fence along the Granite Falls South Gulf Course adjacent to Bell Road, its intersection with North Mountain Vista Boulevard with a block wall that matches the existing block wall with the stipulation that the Quail Road and Granite Falls mm -hmm. can pay for it in the amount not to exceed $50,000. Is there a second? Second. Okay, let me explain two things. Uh, um, 
after the workshop and we proposed that this might be an option. The committee has met uh, last Monday. I was called by Mr. William Shields, who's in the audience, and said that uh, they would like to proceed with this. Uh, so this, what this vote does is, is it verifies that the board will allow them to proceed with it and when they raise the money, we will install it. There's two things I want to bring to your point. He said he would like for it to say the residents and I said, well, we can't put just the residents in there, so we put the committee there. So he would like to uh, uh, amend the, the specifics of that. So I, uh, before we vote on this, I would like to propose amendment that after the words of Quail Road and Granite Falls Committee, and interested residents. If you could add those three words, Jody, and interested residents. I would like to make a motion that we, uh, for that amendment, is there a second? Second. All those in favor, is there any discussion on it? All those in favor of such language, uh, signify by say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, then let's, the one more thing before we vote on it, the, the regular motion is, um, um, in, in case you want to ask any questions, it, I've been talking with Mr. Shields on this and his committee. We have an appointment set up uh, with Mr. Twiggs on Monday at three o'clock. The procedure there is that Mr. Shields has brought up some things that he wants to make sure we get an agreement that both sides are in, in agreement with. It should be relatively simple. We're just extending an already wall whose responsibility what is. It's just a matter of they raise the funds, we put it through, but we want to make sure the, the wording is comfortable to the committee and we promise to do that. And then at the meeting on Monday, I will merely introduce Mr. Shields to uh, Mr. Twiggs and Mr. Twiggs has agreed to this and we'll turn it over to Cam. Meanwhile, between now and that time, Mr. Twiggs will go and talk to Curtis to find out the type of agreement we put together. Uh, there's one question in the item I have a just to give you the total background so you have all the details is uh, Scott gave me an estimate by the same people that the committee had used for the 10-foot wall and that estimate is $43,945. Now the reason I've got it at 50 when we put forward to you is that excludes taxes, excludes the submitting of permits, updated inspections, um, traffic control while they're pouring the cement, hard dig, backfill, a lot spin off, and hauling away dirt. Uh, Scott Phillips told me there'd be no hard dig, no more backfill, no spin off, and, and as far as he's concerned, he doesn't see hauling away any dirt. He has brought up one item that says there might, because it's over a drainage system, there might be something that has to be engineered on that. He estimates the maximum that would cost roughly would be 2,000. He thinks the project will be after, under $50,000. So we'll get the actual figure, we'll tell the committee about it, and then we will, once they've got that and the agreement in place, then we'll bring it back to the board for final approval. One thing I would like to do, uh, ask the board to do, is uh, we have an agreement in, in the principle on uh, what is going to happen. We have an agreement in principle of what it's going to cost, but for these people that are paying for it themselves, I do believe we need to give them a hard price and then stick to it. So, you know, when we come back with that final price, whatever we get to, if something varies for some reason or beyond that, I think that I would like to ask the board to agree on a not to exceed price at that time. Right now, what we're voting for is the motion that was just read, which means that we approve the re replace the fence and let the committee pay for it. So all those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 And opposed? This motion carries unanimously. Steve Brown, the next one is yours. 
Yeah, so um, the motion is as follows. Uh, I move to approve the proposals of the Secretary of the Board of Directors to number one, uh, create an ad hoc concordance <laughs> committee to be constituted to review the Sun City Grand governing documents and to recommend changes to those documents so that they are consistent with the current versions of the bylaws and the Declaration of Covenants, Conditions and Restrictions and with each other. And number two, to appoint Steve Bowen as chair and Ellie Brooks and Martha Bales as members. Second. Okay, go ahead, Steve, explain it. Yeah, so the, um, as we talked about uh, at the uh, workshop a couple of weeks ago, um, after the bylaws, uh, revised bylaws were passed, then after more recently, the CCNR changes were passed, um, that really triggers uh, or should trigger um, and hasn't yet triggered a, a bunch of follow-on work efforts. Uh, for example, the, uh, we need to change uh, a lot of the uh, committee charters uh, and the subcommittee charters. We need to change uh, how the covenants committee uh, works. We need to uh, capture uh, a section from the bylaws that was dropped in the revised bylaws that has to do with the appeal process and the hearing process for residents uh, and need to, need to find a place for that to live. So there are a bunch of things that need to be done uh, to uh, our documents so that they're all, they're all consistent with each other. That's the purpose of, of this uh, ad hoc concordance committee. Uh, it's something that um, I need to be involved in, but I don't want to do all the work myself. So uh, I'm suggesting two extremely qualified uh, former board members um, to help me with this. Uh, and if we need more people, we will uh, bring more in. But our thought was to keep it small at the start because uh, I think the three of us can get uh, the bulk of the work done here uh, with three of us working on this. So that's the purpose of this, you know, to get our documents consistent with each other. Any other comments from the board? Any comments from the audience? Yes, we have two, Marty and John. Okay, um, Marty Cohen, I'm on the LAC. Um, the question I had is, I'm not really certain how long this committee has uh, formulated, but in our meeting yesterday at the LAC, uh, Martha Bales uh, provided some information regarding what's been going on. Um, my question is, if we undertake something like this, uh, in advance of work done by committees, uh, would it be appropriate for the board to acknowledge to the president or the chair of the, uh, the individual committee that we are about to undertake this so that we don't duplicate work, which we were starting to do? Um, uh, at the same time. Steve? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one down, thanks. Yeah, Marty, I, I, we intend to, you know, to work uh, with the chairs and, and, the, and the, the actual committee members of all the committees uh, in two respects. First of all, to let them know that uh, we're about to get underway with a, with a broad review. Uh, second of all, to uh, enlist their help with that, because, um, <clears throat> you know, the committee members are are those that are in the best spot to um, suggest 
the substance of changes to their charters. Uh, and third of all, uh, we need to make some changes to the committee rules uh, that recognize that when they were last written, um, they didn't really contemplate uh, anything besides standing committees, really, uh, because you know, there, if you look at the rules for, for, uh, for committees, they're very focused on, uh, on things that are associated pretty much solely with standing committees and not, not at all uh, really for subcommittees or any kind of ad hoc committees. So uh, what we want to try and do is to modify those committee rules as well to recognize the reality uh, that for a lot of committees, uh, there are now subcommittees, uh, and also to pick up uh, the coverage of, of ad hoc committees and subcommittees. So we will definitely be um, in, you know, in contact, you know, once, once this gets voted out, we will definitely be in contact uh, with LAC and other committees uh, for those purposes. Any other questions? John Such has the name. John? Can you hear me, Don? Yes, sir. Okay, uh, my question was regarding the fence in the back. I can hold yeah. that off until the end if you want to. I wasn't yeah, looking Yeah, I, I made a mistake. Let's finish with this and we'll go back to the fence. Yes, I should have asked the audience for input. All right, sounds good to me. Go ahead. Okay. Any other questions about the committee question and focus here? Marty, are you asking another question, Marty? Looks like he might be, yeah. I may not have answered his question fully. I will find out. Go ahead, Marty. Turn your mute off, please. Am I unmuted now? Yes. You are. Okay. Uh, yesterday at the LAC committee, when the information came out regarding the review committee that's been formulated, I think it caught the LAC a little bit by surprise. I'm not speaking for the chairman. I'm pretty much speaking for myself, but the general tone of the members was that they weren't going to go forward and review any of the procedures or any of the charter, uh, considering that it may be superseded by what the committee is doing. So I think that um, it behooves you to let the chairs know right away what the intention of the committee is, so that if you say you're going to be in contact with the chairs and maybe even some of the committee members that, you know, their attitude, not attitude, that's not the right word, but the, the word that they weren't feeling that uh, what we were doing simultaneously, which I said before, um, would not supersede or go, be in conflict with what you're doing. Yeah, okay. Well, I, you know, I, I guess I'm a little bit surprised that Everybody was surprised by this because we talked about it in the workshop two weeks ago. Um, but besides that, uh, we will come in through the officers and we will uh, kind of lay out an overall plan. And like I said, we will ask for assistance from substantive assistance from the committees because as I said, we, we think that the committees know the substance of what, the, what they need to do uh, better than we do. I mean, I'll give you two examples. Uh, Covenants Committee, uh, its sole chartered purpose is to uh, enforce a section of the of the bylaws which no longer exists. It was removed in the rewrite. So obviously that's got to be fixed. Uh, I'm I'm the uh, board liaison chair of ARC, and uh, their charter 
has a whole bunch of, of substantive references to uh, quoted large paragraphs of language uh, from the CCNRs. And a lot of that language has changed as well. So that's just two very different examples of, of committee charters that uh, were purpose built for each, each of those committees that need different kinds of treatments. So uh, we're gonna need to talk to, uh, to each of the committees and look at each charter individually. Uh, I can tell you as a, at a general level uh, that we will probably first uh, look to uh, changing the uh, overall rules that apply to all the committees for the reasons I gave before. Uh, and then, you know, take that and apply that to individual committee charters. Um, but in the meantime, uh, uh, we will be contacting, uh, for example, for LAC, we'll, we'll talk to Steve Burwell and we'll say, listen, here's, here's what we're going to be doing. Uh, you all should be uh, giving thought to, uh, and this is not duplicative, to the substantive uh, rules uh, that you think need to apply to your particular circumstance. So uh, that kind of work is not, not wasted at all, and it can proceed to some degree in parallel with the work that I just described. Does that answer your question or, or not? Yeah, got it. Okay, good. Any other questions? I thought all those in favor of the motion signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? It passes. Okay, on the last motion, I forgot, neglected to ask the uh, audience for their input on the wall. Question. I apologize for that. It was brought to my attention by my cohorts. And John Such, would you like to comment, please? Okay, uh, I sent the board a rather extensive uh, email on June the 28th. Yes, we got it. About some of my, uh, my issues with this wall issue. Um, and I think, Don, at the June 25th board workshop, you mentioned something in the CCNRs, and I didn't copy it down. Was that 9.4? that kind of gives uh, the board the authority to do this with certain neighborhoods? No, it, it was, I th I'm trying to think 14.3, but you're probably thinking about that uh, one where you can go into neighborhoods and have a special assessment. Yeah, I didn't get, I didn't get well, the- This does not apply to that. Uh, two reasons, number one, that would have to be requested. And number two, we, uh, our lawyer told us that you know, if we did that, it would have to include the whole neighborhood. And it was fraught right. with a lot of problems. And so no, that's not the one to apply. The one that we, we referenced, uh, the one that I referenced in the discussion was, uh, um, I'm, I'm trying to satisfy between where I talked at the meetings and emails I've sent, but you know, it has to do with the fact that you do not control anything but your own lot, and it goes into detail if you're looking across the golf course at, and somebody puts a fence up there, that, you know, you have no control over that. So I get your point. No, we're not doing it through the neighborhood rep thing or neighborhood thing because that was front with problems. Plus, we have history where that was tried one time and you were probably here and it didn't work out very well. Okay, here's my issue with this thing. And you know, I'm, I'm not for it, quite frankly, and that's kind of well known, I guess. But you know, uh, with, their, with the um, June 25th workshop, they had a little chart about showing all these homes that were going to be affected by either noise or lights, you know, and then they had them color coded like um, in, in Granite Falls too, they had like 12 homes that said noise and, and uh, lights. They had another 15 that were pink for noise and another 22 for blue. Some of these, some of these uh, homes that they've got color coded are three or four blocks off of Bell Road. I mean, you know, I, I don't understand how they can, 
color code those and say there's too much noise three or four blocks off of Bell Road. The same thing with the granite with the quail run. They got seven yellows, 22 pinks, and 26 blues. Some of these are four and five blocks off of Bell Road. And and then I don't want to take too much of your time, but I did say at the bottom of, of that email I sent to you, ADOT did a rather extensive uh, noise uh, survey on when they did the 303 widening. And noise does not travel in a straight line. You have a block wall there, it's gonna go over the wall and down it's gonna, it's still gonna be noise, okay? And I don't know if you guys have looked at the ADOT studies or talked to Bunny from ADOT about a wall and what a wall would and would not do when it comes to noise. Uh, I just think quite frankly, you're gonna destroy part of the beauty of Sun City Grand. And as I said, uh, you know, in the email, I don't know why people buy homes, but I would imagine that some of the reasoning was probably looking at that little lake, the 13th green and the 14th e-box and, fair, and fairway on number 14. You know, uh, they talk about uh, garbage around, uh, around that uh, perimeter fencing. I don't, I played, I played south this morning. There's no garbage there. And if the garbage is, it's coming from the road. So if you put up a fence, a block wall, you're still gonna have garbage, but it's gonna be on the other side of the fence. Now, the homes won't see it, but people going down 45 mile an hour on Bell Road, which I don't understand how they can see the garbage to begin with at 45 mile an hour, but evidently people do. Uh, I just think you are working a really slippery slope, folks, if you go through with this thing. You know, I don't know, you know, as I said in the email, it's a Pandora box of unknown issues. And that's all I've got to say about it, but thanks for listening. You're welcome. I'm gonna summarize, uh, summarize this in my words, the work that I've I think everything you brought up is actually true, very true, particularly if we were paid for it. I believe that, um, I believe that when the residents are paying for it and have agreed to pay for it through the rules we've set up, six foot wall, et cetera, after we've looked at it, I think those are minimized. Uh, so. It doesn't matter to me if somebody is seven blocks off of there, if the road bothers them, that's their choice to make. And they're saying, I'm, we're willing to contribute to the fence. If they were saying, you build us a fence, that's a different story. That's number one. Number two, I believe that the sentiment I would be correct in saying is that we're sympathetic to the question in place. And we also were somewhat skeptical that we can solve all of the problems. So when we put it in front of the, the committee and they readily accepted the, the offer to pay for it, they have made the decision this will make their life living there better. And so I didn't see any downside to that. The view through the fence is one we can always talk about, but it seems to me that um, when you separate the issue about who pays for it and they're willing to, to, to fix it, and then, the, then I think we have to be sympathetic and support them. Number two, there was a discussion about LAC about, quote, uh, setting a precedent. And what I would tell you is if we paid for this wall ourselves, that sets a huge precedent. So if you want to talk about setting a precedent for letting them pay for it, then you say, okay, do we vote it down? So how do our customers overall benefit the best and how do the residents benefit the best? The decision we've come through, there's no straight line that satisfies everyone, but let's look at it this way. The 17,000 residents that don't live anywhere near this wall, let's just say 14, 15, 16,000 of them don't have to pay for it. And I'm sure that they would tell me that if you want to let them pay for it and put it up and it makes their living better, I'm okay with that. And for the people that are bothered the most says, hey, I'm willing to pay for this because it affects the value of my home and my sleep and those types of things, they're willing to pay for it. 
Then as a board, I think we've come to the best conclusion to seek to satisfy the most people with the least amount of money and least amount of precedent. If somebody else comes up to us, like they want to put a basketball court at the end of the uh, cul-de-sac, which one of them has said, yeah, we're not going to approve that, number one. Number two, it's on a city property. So I think what we did is we looked into our hearts and souls and, and felt like if we lived there or our parents lived there, that would be an issue. And if, is it correctable? Would we expect the residents to do it? The other 17,000? No, probably being board members, but we might have. But the point here was, is that it seemed the best of both worlds. Any other board member have an opinion? I think you've stated it very well. So sometimes, sometimes you have to look through the through the tweet the chaff and and make the uh, make the best decision we can for the time. I've often said that serving here, one of our jobs and take care of the money is to make living here as enjoyable and as stress free as possible. And I'll tell you, I've done this a long time, but this last three months has not been making their lives enjoyable or stress free. But we had a chance to make a difference in people's lives. We had a chance to do it without costing every single resident. We had a chance to not set a slippery slope uh, precedent, and we decided to go in this direction. Any other comments? Thanks for your comments, Zoe. Yeah, there's one more, Don. Here they come. Sure. John, uh, John want to go again? Mon no, this, this is Karen Montoya. Hi, Karen. Hi, I live on Horseshill Drive, and I have Grand Avenue behind me. If you use this this particular uh, thing, I want to see that it's taken care of over there on Bell. My problem is I have over 200 feet. I could no way possibly afford to put a portion of this fence in on my area. So you're setting a precedence, meaning that I'm SOL. I have to listen to the big trucks. I have to see them go by. I have to listen to all the dragsters that come through here. And because they raised the speed limit to 55 miles an hour, I'm telling you, those people love to try to see how fast they can go between Sunrise and Meeker, or Meeker to Sunrise, or Meeker all the way to the freeway. So we've got a problem here that was supposed to be corrected after a few months. Uh, Webb, Del Webb said they were going to change the fencing out later once the place was filled up Everybody knew. Everybody knows about Grant. You don't have to have large open space fencing and for people to see it. Part of the problem is they're going too doggone fast. They can't really see much. They don't see much till they come to the stop at sunrise, either on Bell or Grant. But anyway, that's what I have to say. Thank you for listening. Yes, you're right, ma'am. And by the way, we get a lot of things that say Del Webb said that no one can ever find it in writing and signed by a legal authority. So we have we, we made a decision based on the facts. We asked ourselves a basic question. In this particular incident, we had X number of situations and how can we best handle it to the benefit of the residents and the benefit of those that would have had to pay for it otherwise. So we did the best we could and we'll move forward. Go ahead. Next, we want to talk to you about one incident. I pulled off a uh, agenda item called a, a uh, ice machine, a second ice machine for uh, pickleball. And I pulled it off because we were passing concept only and what we've tried to do in the last four or five months, and I don't know if you've noticed specifically, but you know, last year we got into a situation where we had these long drawn out board meetings where we discussed, 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 discussed things. And so we've been a huge effort to make sure all the discussion takes place at FAC and in the workshop. And when we come to the 
board meetings up for these decisions only. So this came to us for concept only. It had no cost associated with it. It had no place for what the budget was coming from. So I had it pulled from the agenda in our agenda meeting. Uh, so it's gonna be referred back to the FAC uh, and uh, Scott is going to get bids on it. The FAC will go over it. They will present it to the workshop at the next workshop with the associated costs and budget will come from. The workshop will be discussed with us and we'll vote on it at the August meeting. Does anybody on the board has a problem with that? That being said, I talked in great detail with Scott, um, excuse me, with Earl, and we went back and forth and tried to find the best solution we could and that's what we came up with. Now we're going into technology subcommittee updates and discussions and Carol White. Carol, by the way, you're frowning, Carol. You should be smiling. That works every time. <laughs> Go ahead, Carol. Just unmuting myself here. Um, thanks, Don, and thanks for inviting me today. I'm speaking to you from beautiful downtown Bend, Oregon today. So. This technology does work uh, across the country and across the state. So uh, we missed our first quarter update meeting because of the virus and all the craziness that was coming on. So this is really the board's first opportunity to learn what your technology subcommittee has been working on since our formation in January. Uh, we initially expected this to be a one-year assignment and we think that we will be pretty much done with it in that one year time frame. First thing I'd like to say is thank you to the 11 wonderful volunteers we have working on this project. Their dedication, professionalism, enthusiasm, and willingness to share their vast knowledge with this community is almost overwhelming. Because of COVID, we've been able to assist in some areas <clears throat> that we never anticipated and I'd like to acknowledge some of those, what I call over and above assistance that the team has provided. Nancy Collins and Ira Simmons jumped in early and designed and conducted a whole series of Zoom classes for the community to learn how to use Zoom because it was so unfamiliar to people at the time. Dennis Jark was instrumental in designing the interface to allow our waivers to be recorded in the system for easy access by CAM employees. He went in and created the code and figured out how to make it work for everybody. Tony Spada has been helping with several projects using his engineering background to assess the potential use contact contactless interaction devices and also for some of the air quality HVAC issues that we've been discussing. Bruce Reineke and Ove Jacobson both provided information and support on remote access issues so that our employees could securely work from home during the shutdown. I might also mention that our very techie board liaison, Earl Greenberg, adapted our existing court reservation software to provide the reservation system that we now use for our pools, gyms, and other assorted things. So those people for making technology work better in Sun City Grand. <clears throat> Our mission as the technology subcommittee of long range planning is to research, advise, and make recommendations to long range planning regarding the overall role of technology within Sun City Grand. This includes technology strategy, 
major technology investment, operational performance, and technology trends for the future in active adult communities. So now I'd like to share my screen and show you a little bit of what we've actually been doing in these first few months here. We set out a list of work items down the left-hand side here and originally projected them all in blue all the way down to December timeframe. So this kind of gives you an idea of what we've been working on. The first thing that we did was we needed a clear understanding of what we have for technology here in uh, I was very proud of my team. They, there was no network map uh, of the uh, campus, so they set about putting together that network map, and now we have a lot of information about what is where, how it works, etc. We ran into, as you can see here, a little snag for a while, but we're back on track now, getting the information that we need to completely understand what we have here at Grand Now before we start making recommendations to make changes and upgrade it. The second thing was to do interviews with key staff, uh, committee members, clubs, and other constituents uh, as to what they needed and what was an issue for them now. That was completed in the, February, in the March and April timeframe. The next thing we did was put together a survey for the residents on what they liked and what were issues for them, how well they adapted and used technology now. Uh, that survey was done in April, in April and May type timeframe. And in this month's Grand Lifestyles Magazine, there was an article uh, telling the outcome of that. The best things that we learned from that is that <clears throat> technology uh, there's a pretty good sized appetite for people to have more technology associated with what we do here in Grand. And there were a whole bunch of different areas that they thought we could do a better job in than we're doing now. So uh, the other thing that we acknowledge that wasn't specifically asked for on the survey was that we do have some folks here in Grand who are not technology or computer literate. And we do need to consider to take consider taking their needs into um, consideration in the future. <clears throat> After that, we started to develop a list of potential projects, prioritize what order those maybe should be done in, and we did start and finished a requirements document and began to analyze all of this information that we've received in previous months and how that fits with the requirements document. That is continuing currently in this month. The next item was to start talking with potential vendors of the kind of software that we need here in Grand and uh, talk with them about the projects that we're considering. We've met on a preliminary basis. Uh, uh, Mr. Twig set up meetings for us with the five top companies in this marketplace. We have had preliminary discussions with all of them and we're getting ready to start on in-depth discussions with uh, a short list of those vendors. We're currently putting together, the, uh, my team's working on putting together a um, uh, specifications document, kind of something that we can give to those vendors to say, here's the things that we really want you to focus on in your presentations to us, as well as putting together an evaluation worksheet. So we're all evaluating the vendors with a common focus. 
Um, the next thing that we'll be starting to work on is developing rough cost estimates and implementation issues for all the feasible projects. That uh, really hasn't started yet too much this month other than the requirements documents going to the vendors. So we'll be continuing that in August. Uh, we're aware the budget meetings are come up and we, coming up and we need to have some uh, numbers ready for the budget meetings if we're going to do any projects in 2021. And that's yet to be determined, but we feel that we will be ready with some, at least some preliminary numbers um, uh, for those things that we think should be done. <clears throat> we will then continue with a town hall, explaining what we're getting ready to do, what the uh, kind of the order of things that we see need to be done. We'll develop the final recommendations to long range planning, and that will eventually then go to the board for their acceptance. So that's kind of um, what we've been up to. Maybe I should have left that up, but um, we feel that this, uh, all of this work will certainly help uh, David and all of CAM as well as the board to have the tools to make the decisions that we will need to be making with technology going forward for the benefit of the overall Sun City Grand community. So I'd be happy to take questions from anybody. Maybe I have a question for Carol. Thank you very much, Carol. We really appreciate it. I don't have a question, but I just wanted to thank you for all the work that you and your committee have put in. I think it's going to be very, very beneficial for us in the future. So thank you. Thank you. John, if I could just make one comment, I'd like to thank the committee, but particularly Carol and, and Tom Benz. Um, we've gone through hours of uh, talking with these vendors and uh, she kind of made lightly of it, but we, we really did, we really are putting in the time on that and the rest of the committee will be getting involved with that. So uh, I just wanted to say thank you on that. Thank you, Carol. And from my standpoint, just let me say, uh, I'm really encouraged to see David Twiggs and Carol on the same page of working hand in hand with the teamwork approach to this, which I think is great. You know, they're, yeah, I might just I might just add that we're really thankful for uh, David jumping in and figuring out and learning what we're doing and being so supportive of all of the work that we're doing. It makes a huge difference, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Carol. Our next report is Food and Beverage by Rod Reichen. Rod? Yeah, Donnie, can you hear me? Yeah, you can. Thank you. I appreciate the uh, the time. Um, where we are, we're currently in the heart of the negotiations with the uh, food vendor. We took a big step last week and we're hoping to wrap this up um, relatively soon and pass on to the board for a final approval. So I don't have much to report today except for we're at it. Alan and I are um, uh, working with Festival to try and get this done. Thanks, Rod. Just if I may supplement that. Uh, please, please uh, don't. Uh, m much of what has taken place over the past couple of weeks has been uh, a sort of an exchange of information uh, through through FESEL. Uh, I know that Rod used the term uh, negotiations. I'm, I'm not ready to say that we, that's where we are yet, but we're getting getting close to that uh, uh, to, to where that's what what we will be doing. Uh, but so far still exchanging information. Thanks. Thank you. Any other questions from the residents? 
Okay, our next report is to the Village Center. Gary Jan. Gary? Hey, Don, I'm here. Can you hear? I sure can. Good, thank you. Uh, the Village Center team is in the process of analyzing the comments that we received from the town hall last month. Um, next week, our team and the general manager, David Twiggs, will be meeting on site for a discussion to consider incorporation of uh, some of that Village Center feedback we received with our contractor, uh, J2. Um, and just for an example of some of the feedback, the removal of the large fountain has been a, a concern to some residents. So based upon this, we're looking at creating a smaller scale water feature using the existing sandstone and it would be located near the original fountain. Now, if you are dead set on the large fountain, this isn't gonna do anything for you, but it's talking about taking comments and trying to react to those. Our team in J2 will be meeting with the food and beverage contractor soon after their contract is signed. And uh, that's to coordinate the spaces around the Grand Cafe to support the potential outside food service facilities. Our next town hall will occur sometime after we have this coordination meeting with the food and beverage contractor and have a chance to sort of reconcile how the uh, food service facilities around the cafe will work. So that's it for now. Any questions? Uh, any questions from the audience? Marie, Marie, Maria. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I just kind of wanted to see if you had like a long, broad, general timeline of when the cafe may open? Uh, the answer to the question is yes and no. We don't have any long-range plans when it comes to COVID, period, because we don't know what's happening. Here, let me tell you what we do know. Is we're following the state guidelines right now, and there's nothing in the state guidelines so far that supports opening the Grand Cafe and uh, other other food places but just so you know and this is a big credit to Mr. Twiggs Mr. Twiggs has a plan from the CAM side of things on how to, once the board gives him the authority to open that and the cafe or the snack shacks and those types of things he's got a plan and already laid out on what it has to do how long it's going to take it where the, the types of food we'll have pre-packaged etc so all he said is when you decide you want to open it give me two weeks and we'll be ready to go so has planning gone into it? Absolutely, Maria. Uh, All right, thank you. We just can't. And right now, the date that we're really waiting for is the, is the governor's date on the 27th of July. I don't know what that's going to show us, but we're expecting some type of update in that period of time. We are, um, we try very, uh, I call Barb uh, Minnick uh, quite often during the week because she gives us a daily report on all the COVID upgrades. And for those of you that can't remember or didn't remember, I shouldn't say can't, those that don't remember, she was a executive in the hospital business for a long time and right here in the area with Banner. So she's uh, unbelievably knowledge on coding and everything that goes into it. So, you know, I get excited and call about this number and she settles me down and says, you know, that's, that's not how we have to look at it. So the board is trying to stay out of any projections or, or, or making too much of the numbers. And she always said, listen to the CDC, listen to your personal physician, and also 
will stay and do no nothing, no more stringent than what the, uh, the state and the city and Maricopa does. The only thing I can tell you is as a group, we all read the news and see what's happening. And I don't think anyone would say that things are getting better in Arizona anywhere. So the trend we know is, is not in the favor we'd like to see it. And when we get, when we get changes like that to show some stability, then we'll make changes. But you need to know that behind the scenes, he's got people ready. He's got his mapping all made out. Um, he's laid off the part-time employees as of, of uh, July 1st that uh, not needed for those things. And he asked for a time on those. So we've done everything prudent to minimize payroll. And at the same time, I will plan ready to open when, when we get the okay. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Charles? Hello, Charles, Charles Reynolds. Okay, unmute yourself, to, uh, oops, he's gone. Sally Haroff, Sally? Well, Charles is there. Pardon me? Charles is, Charles, is, is here. Charles, can you speak and so we can see if we can hear you? I don't see Charles' name up there anymore. Do you see it? He is there, yeah. Unbelievable. But I can't hear the mic. Yeah, okay. I can't hear it either. Okay, let's go with Sally. Sally, Sally Hyroff. Okay, I got a question for Gary because he, he, he kept going in and out and I see board members were leaning in to try to also hear him. When is the next town hall going to be scheduled for the Village Center? That faded out in his... Sorry about that. The next town hall will be sometime after our team and J2 have an opportunity to meet with the food and beverage contractor once their contract is signed and work out how to sort of decide the outdoor food facilities and how they're going to fit into the village center. Gary, you're going in and out pretty oh, badly on the sound. I don't understand it. Just a date. How about a general date? Like, uh, just give me a general date. Because I can put down my calendar, a general idea. A week? We, if, I can Don, if I can jump in there, we don't have a general date because it's, it, it requires a couple of other things to happen. But I can tell you that we absolutely will do a lot of advertising on that, making sure that everybody has it. We'll put it in the news of the day. We'll put it out in the special, a special announcement so that everybody will be aware. And we'll do that as soon as we can, as, as we can schedule it. So people have some lead time. Thank you. Charles, you're back. Hello, Charles. Charles' name has disappeared for me. Did any of you see it? Yeah, I can see it. Um, Charles, we, your mic is on as far as we're concerned, but we cannot hear you. Can you can you speak? He has an older version of Zoom, so he's coming in as a uh, panelist and not as just to talk. So there's probably some technical issues there with the older version. Okay. Okay, Charles, it shows you're up. Go ahead. I see you in the panelists. Unmute yourself, Charles. 
Okay. Not working. Not working. Any other questions? Okay. I want to say just one thing about time frames. Everybody else on the board particularly has heard me say this uh, a whole bunch of times, but with the, everything that's going on, the one thing that's murder to us is the time frame. You know, with all the uncertainties, time frames just kill us. You know, you heard Mr. Twiggs earlier talk about the spa up in Adobe. One thing everybody signed, no problems. But when they went to get to the supplies, uh, the supply chain is really is really choked up. So there's a lot of things. So we don't quote time frames because all we do is disappoint people, but we'll make them the public as soon as we know. Charles, let's try one more time. I see you unmuted. Are you there? Um, just real quick, Don, we have um, Sherry. Okay, Sherry, go ahead. Did we talk to Sherry? N not yet. Can you hear me? We yeah, can't, Sherry. Yeah. We can hear you very okay. loud. Uh, can I tell you, I don't want to die of COVID. I don't believe listening to the governor or the county or the city of surprise is where you're going to get scientific information. I have um, perfect blood work. I'm really healthy, but I don't want to die of COVID. And if you guys keep opening up, I'm going to die of COVID. I don't want that. And I don't think you should allow um, any of us to possibly get it uh, while you open and open and open. Um, that might be fine for the state of Arizona, but you know, um, the government's an ice cream man. He's not a scientist. I, I want to live. I don't want to die. I have excellent health. You know, my only uh, problem is that I'm over 70. But you guys, you have to pay attention to this. We take advice that we can get from our legal department. We take all the advice from local and health agencies. We take advice from the CDC. The seven of us um, have to draw a line somewhere on where we open amenities and where we don't. Your uh, line is to stay on the side of the scientists, not on the side of the politicians, sir. Well, I'll start again. The seven of us look at all the data we can, we come put it all together, we take every source of information we can, we make sure that we conduct ourselves legally as opposed to what our, or as in compliance with what our legal attorney has told us. We look on other agencies for uh, support and see what they're doing. You'll notice we're never more aggressive than the others. And when we see something where we have to reverse like the, uh, the gyms, et cetera, we do it. We that cannot, was fabulous. Yes, that was fabulous. I cannot, but, um, other information does not include your politicians. I mean, you don't, guys don't get it. You need to stay on the side of the scientists. That would be the CDC, um, even the Maricopa County um, health officer. She doesn't even have a strong opinion. Um, that's not even worth listening to people. Well, we're making the decisions based on the evidence I just laid out in front of us. That's all I can say. It's a tough decision. We have to draw the line someplace. We use common sense and we use all the facts that we can carry. We make sure we're protecting the organization from any financial hits from an abnormal lawsuit. And at the same time, we try to use common sense on what the rest of the nation is doing. We listen to the scientists and we listen to the governments because that's what we were instructed to do. That's where our protection comes from, from a legal standpoint. 
That's where our safe harbor comes from the state of Arizona. And you can call them politicians, and I don't think everybody would agree with you, but they write the laws that we have to adhere to. We, it is not a job where we can possibly please everyone. Trust me, I'm aware. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Hey, Don, I want, this is Steve. I wanted to add something. Um, I would Sherry, I would suggest to you that we are following the science. I mean, I'm pretty heavily involved in the, in the reopening plans and decisions. And if you, if you look at what we've done so far, I think what you'll see is that, you know, we haven't opened any indoor activities yet. Uh, what we've done is to open outdoor activities because the science says that if you're outdoors, uh, you know, the, there's a much more airflow, number one. And if you put in place uh, provisions that avoid uh, you know, close proximity to other people, which we've done for all the outdoor plans that we've opened up, uh, and if you avoid touching the same surfaces that others have touched, which we also have done, uh, every plan that we've approved so far has the kinds of protections that you're suggesting here. That is science-based protections. Uh, and I will we'll, we'll talk in a minute about the indoor uh, uh, air kinds of issues uh, in the next uh, agenda item. But th there's a reason why we haven't opened indoors. Uh, and that's that opening indoors is much more difficult uh, to do and still follow the science. So uh, I think I think you just need to stay tuned because I think you, you will uh, prove what, what we do if and when we open up the indoor facilities for uh, whether it's for, you know, food service things or clubs or whatever. Uh, those aren't open right now, and they're not open for a reason. So Steve, I hope that helps. Steve, I know all that. Turns out I understand science pretty well. I've had five public health classes in my life, two of them at the graduate level. I am totally aware of what you guys are doing. But when I hear you, everything you're looking at is opening. And I'm telling you, I will certainly let you know when I end up in the hospital because I don't want to die. Well, I think you're, probably, you're not alone in that, in that desire. <laughs> I don't think any of us wants to die. Well, obviously this is an incredibly controversial subject and people are all over, um, all over the, the range on this one uh, from, uh, you know, your, your, treading on my personal rights by not letting me do things to what are you doing to protect me? And uh, it is hard and the science is evolving. We're learning more about um, how it's transmitted through air, which Steve just mentioned he's going to talk about. But you know, the one thing the science does say, and regardless if you listen to the CDC or almost anybody else, this is something that's pretty much agreed on, that um, how you get infected is you're close to an infected person, you, um, how long you're near that person. So obviously the longer you're near a person, the more uh, who has COVID, the more chance you have. Barbara, you may know that I already know all that. Okay, it's nice of you to say, but I already know all that. Well, Sherry, I'm speaking to everybody else on this call and I appreciate that you have that knowledge, but I'm going to make an assumption that maybe everybody else doesn't. So just allow me to uh, continue. Yes, that's fine. Um, you know, and whether that a person expels droplets and how much you touch your face afterwards. So to mitigate those things, uh, the CDC, as well as other uh, healthcare organizations have said, uh, just what Steve mentioned, you know, wear a mask, stay six feet apart uh, when possible, 
wash your hands, don't touch your face, stay home if you're sick. Now, I would also say stay home if you do not feel the environment you are about to go in is safe, whether that's the pool, pickleball, Albertsons, Walmart, Walgreens, wherever. Uh, check with your primary care physician. Let him know that you're considering doing XYZ, whether it's on our campus or off our campus, and have him weigh in based on your condition, what he feels is safe or what you should do to mitigate your risk. And uh, also too, we are now um, charged with certain guidelines from the governor, from the politicians to do certain things. Uh, so all those things have to come into play. But it is, it's very difficult when everybody is uh, on different ranges on the board on this. As the board, we take into account the CDC's guidelines. They do not give rules, they give guidelines. We take into account the governmental mandates because those do, you do need to follow those or you can choose not to and risk a civil money penalty or something else. That's again, personal choice. We take all those into consideration and try to make the best decision for this community in light of 17,000 people. And again, I would say anybody listening to this, if you have a condition or if you're not sure it's right for you, just because it's open doesn't mean it should be open for you. So please check with your primary care physician for the best direction. Thanks, Don. Stephanie, you have any comments? Okay. I think that um, it's important for people to make a decision. And um, if she's not comfortable going out, then she shouldn't go out. Um, my husband and I stay in most of the time. Um, and we've made decisions about whether or not to do that. But I think what Barb says is absolutely true. Um, we have opened the things that we believe are safe and we've done everything in our ability to try to keep people safe. And if you don't believe that it is a safe option for you, then I would suggest not doing it. Charlie Reynolds, we're gonna try one more time. You're on the panelist list. Can, can you unmute yourself and try to speak? Looks like it's not working. Okay, Steve, let's go to your uh, last comment. The, the last discussion item is the Sun City Grand Common Area Building Indoor Air Quality Analysis and Improvements. Steve? Thanks, Don. So keying off uh, this last discussion, um, as I said, uh, figuring uh, how and when to open up the indoor uh, common area facilities at Sun City Grand is, is the hardest uh, calculus to do for, uh, for the board. Uh, I, I want you all to know that um, a couple of things are already uh, decided and in place. One is uh, we decided a long time ago that uh, uh, all indoor activities would require people to wear a face covering. And we've, we've announced that before. Uh, that's actually now part of, of uh, Maricopa County uh, regulations and, and Sun City Grand guidelines or proclamations. Uh, so, you know, when we do open up the indoor facilities, uh, it's going to be with, with face coverings, and that can be a variety of things, as we talked about at the workshop last. Um, uh, I also will point out that, um, so, that, so what, that, what that does is control uh, the exhalation of, 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 of droplets, which can contain virus particles, okay? So that, that droplets 
uh, get expelled when you breathe, when you talk, even worse when you sing or cough uh, or sneeze. But if a face covering captures those, those droplets from being ejected a, a long distance, uh, and they will stay within the mask or drop to the ground. So that protects, uh, protects people around you from droplets that you might expel. Uh, then you've got surfaces, and David Twiggs and company um, have a number of plans for that already for indoors. Uh, one is, is cleaning of, of, of surfaces that people will touch, horizontal surfaces like tables, uh, doorknobs, and so forth. Uh, they also have a, a, a fogger machine, which um, can come in uh, at, at the close of a, of a business day and, and fog a room. Uh, to kill virus particles wherever they happen to be hiding out. Um, and uh, it takes about six hours, if I recall correctly. And if that's not right, David, please correct me. But if I recall, it's six hours for that to work. So it's kind of an overnight thing uh, that you can do to clear to clean a room uh, over the course of that six hours when there's nobody in there. Uh, and what that leaves then is something that you may have read about in the news recently. Uh, and that's the question of aerosol particles. These are these are the very lightweight, lighter than air kind of particles that are not droplets. Uh, they're also known as, as virus nuclei. Uh, and they are the very, very small particles. Um, they're small droplets that are, are, part, are aerosol uh, and can be circulated uh, through the, uh, the air conditioning system. Uh, and and, can, and because they, they do not fall to the ground, uh, they're lighter than air or they're, they're as light as air. And so what we're looking at there is uh, a number of technologies. And, I, and uh, Earl and I are, help, are, are working on this along with David and, and Scott Phillips. Uh, you may recall that, uh, that uh, Scott had brought a, uh, one of the solutions that's out there to, to FAC last month. Uh, it was not uh, brought forward with a positive vote, but it's under consideration. Uh, there are a number of things that can be done to improve uh, improve the air uh, that we're looking at, and they include uh, more makeup air from the outside, which tends to dilute uh, the, the, the air that's in the room and therefore dilute the number of, of aerosol virus particles that might be there. Uh, there's also uh, changing the filters out on the air conditioning systems to one with a higher rating that can actually capture virus particles. Uh, we're not sure if either of those is possible on all the air conditioning units. We're looking at that right now. Uh, and there are other technologies that are, have been deployed that are frankly pretty new uh, and therefore uh, pretty untested and pretty unproven. Um, and so those are, those are ones that uh, you've got to take a really hard look at before you actually invest money in them. But what, so what we're trying to do is to see what the universe is uh, out there uh, it's also possible, by the way, uh, that our current system um, is, uh, is sufficiently good uh, that we don't require uh, any large improvements uh, in, the, in the air handling quality. Uh, and so, you know, we will probably uh, have some consultants uh, advise us on that as well. So uh, the three, so there's the three pieces. You have, you have droplets that are controlled by face coverings. You've got surface cleaning. Uh, that's controlled by, uh, you know, wiping down surfaces or, or high-touch areas like doorknobs. And you have the fogger machine uh, to kill viruses overnight. And we're looking at the last piece to see if we need anything, anything uh, uh, in terms of improvements there. And that's the aerosol transmission through the HVAC system.
So that, that's, a, that's a kind of the status report. Um, uh, you know, we are moving forward, even though we, we know we can't open yet, we're moving forward, as Don said, uh, with the research uh, that's required to be able to be ready when we do open up. Earl, you've been involved in this. Do you have any comments? Yeah, I haven't spent this much time reading lab reports since I was at my early years of pre-med. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, Steve really covered it well. Uh, we, we don't want to is the key and we want to figure out what we can do that will best mitigate the problems that we're dealing with now. It's pretty much in a nutshell but Steve, Steve's been spending more time reading than I have I think. Thanks one Steve. The, one of the things I'd like to comment on is, is uh, we had a meeting on this today is that we're doing a lot of research and things and one of the options is to do nothing because we've got a pretty good HIV system and we've got somebody that really knows what he's doing with it in, the, in Scott Phillips. He's got a lot of answers and he's still reaching out there. So we're looking at everything. We don't want to get it caught up in one of these things that cost a lot of money, but is a fad may not work. So we'll give it a thought. By the same token, we have to do our due diligence to make sure we've done everything to inquire. Anything else? That's the board meeting. Is there anybody in the audience that has something they'd like to talk about that wasn't covered? Okay, then that's it for the gang. Thanks for everybody. Thanks for everyone that attended.